and welcome to a new podcast episode. I'm Nicole Smalley, Youth Ministry Associate at Colonial Church, soon to be Meeting House Church. And today I'm joined with a very special co-host who I haven't co-hosted with for a few months now. Patrick Smalley is with me. I was starting to wonder if I was ever going to get invited back. You got the invite back. That's great. Really, really had me guessing. But really, I'm glad to be back. I'm excited. Really, Patrick gets to co-host when I procrastinate and leave it to the last minute, and therefore we live in the same house, so you're here. It's either me or a three-year-old, and maybe that would be a, a somewhat entertaining podcast. But I'm open to it. I'm open to it. I don't know what he charges, but we'll have to see. Well, wait, <laughs> he gets paid for this? Today, I'm super excited because we are going to be talking about talking. But not just talking to anyone, we are going to be talking about talking to teenagers today. It's like your two favorite things. It really is, like my two favorite things. I love, love, love working with middle schoolers. 11 to 14 year olds, I I think they are just the coolest, the bravest, the most curious, fun, spectacular people, which is why I've worked with middle schoolers for, gosh, 15 years now. That's a long time. That's a really long time. And... I love it. So much happens in those four years that, I mean, really, it's an honor to witness that journey. And you have a background in youth ministry, so yeah. you also have experienced that. Yeah. Before I started at Colonial, I was doing high school ministry for 10 years. Uh, and I got to say, as a high school minister, I was super biased against middle schoolers. Mm. And then once we started doing ministry together, I, I really got to give you some props I started seeing middle schoolers through the lens that you are describing. I got to see the good side of middle schoolers that uh, is often overlooked, I feel like. So I, right. they, have, they have grown to be, they've grown to have a very special place in my heart as well. Right, because I think for a lot of people when they hear middle school, they like instantly hear that like scary music, like, Middle yeah. schoolers, bum bum yeah. bum. I think I'm thinking of that like that TikTok song. Oh no, oh no. You just had to throw oh, no, in TikTok. No, 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 no. You just wanted to throw in TikTok to make it look like you were cool. I just want to school. be clear. I, I don't it. even have a TikTok. I get it. Now listen, we are not the parents of teenagers, so we understand and acknowledge that our experience with teenagers is limited. And I think yeah. I think parenting is so so hard but for all the parents and caretakers and grandparents who are listening all of us in youth ministry we are on your team and we love your kids but we also love you and we want you to feel supported and one thing we've heard in our experience in youth ministry from a lot of parents and caretakers is how hard it is to get teenagers to open up and to talk and to talk more than just the one word answer right yeah and i think one thing that I've learned in my own experience is like the person that I am talking to is very different from the way that that same person interacts with their parent. Yes. You know, I kind of have this, this, uh, special, I don't know, privilege as a, mm-hmm. a youth worker. You know, I, I get to see the best sides of them and, you know, I don't have the history with them and, uh, you don't have to manage their homework. Right. Yeah. 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 I get to say peace out at the end of the night and, right. you know, right. we go our separate ways and see you in a week or see you in a couple of days. Or right. And we all know work. that parents and caretakers, your kids, they get home from school and you ask, how was school? And they say, good. What'd you do? Nothing. Oh, 
end of conversation. And where, where do you go from there? I think mm-hmm. that is a dilemma every generation of parents has faced forever. And it's, of course, a generalization. There are outliers out on either side. But I think everyone who has loved a teenager has experienced that at one time. So today, we want to talk about how to talk to teenagers a little bit more. So I asked our middle schoolers to help with this by giving them this question. What do you wish adults knew about you? Then I asked a few of those middle schoolers to read through some of the group's answers. So let's take a listen to students answering the question, what do you wish adults knew about you? Here's something I want adults to know about me. When I was 10, I was diagnosed with ADHD. It was very hard at first, and it definitely still is. When I was first diagnosed, I had, a no, I had like a whole new perspective on the world. And I guess I just didn't know what to think. Like as soon as I found it out, um, my teachers would yell at me for not focusing and not sitting still. And it was really scary because like I hate getting in trouble. And I really want adults to know about this because I never told any of my teachers. And I kind of regret that now because I feel like if my teachers knew that that I had it when I wasn't, when I looked like I wasn't listening, I actually was listening. That was just been kind of hard for me. Something I wish adults knew about me is that I am capable of doing everything they can even though I am younger. They just need to trust in me and believe in me. I wish adults knew not to yell at me because I'm very sensitive and I can't handle it. I also wish adults knew that loads of homework does not help anybody learn. I might, I might not look like I'm listening, but I am. I wish my parents um, would ask me questions instead of assuming they just know what I, what I am like. Mental health is very real, and school is 10 times more draining than it was 20 years ago. I really am trying my best at school. Please don't judge my clothes when I come to church. Beauty standards do get to us. Don't stereotype. So that was just a glimpse into what some of our middle schoolers said when answering the question, what do you wish adults knew about you? And you can hear that some of them were speaking to their parents, some of them were speaking to their teachers, some of them were speaking to people um, at church, but a lot of them talked about school and just how hard school is for them. The biggest thing that, that I took away is they're stressed, they're feeling drained. Um, yeah, drained, their plate. drained was the word one person used when describing school. And when you think about that, you know, being at school, that's what they're spending the majority of their time at. And if that experience for them is draining, then that's going to impact every other area of their life. Yeah. And then doing homework too, you know, I mean, really for the first time, legitimate homework, you know, as they get into to middle school. So mm-hmm. that feeling of being at school it's just it's almost it feels a little bit more constant yeah for them and i think that's why another student shared how mental health was real 
because if they're feeling stressed, they're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling drained, of course that's going to impact their mental health. Yeah. And some of the words that that I kind of heard them use, like uh, capable was one. And uh, one student said, don't yell. Like they're... The words that I'm hearing them are are words that are kind of asking for parents or caretakers to kind of just be on their team. Like they're looking yeah. for somebody to support them and uplift them and uh, not necessarily take them out of school and say, you don't have to do your homework, but somebody to walk alongside them and lift them up and motivate them and encourage them. And Yeah. And which, of course, we believe parents and caretakers are on their team. For sure. But is that the message that's being communicated above all else right and we might as parents have the absolute best intentions mm-hmm. and of course we want to be that for our kids but sometimes the way in which we parent and the way in, in which the things that we have to to make sure that they do on a daily basis right. sometimes can send can get the, the wrong message or get in the way yeah that's a good and parents are stressed and overwhelmed and drained right. too so there's there's common ground for parents and students with that as well yeah and then we also heard how students feel pressure with their appearance from their peers and sometimes at church Mm. so church let's just agree together to not care what students wear Mm. when they come to church Mm. we're just glad they're there right Right. that's what matters yeah pajamas sweatpants dresses suits it doesn't matter yeah what they're wearing they're at they're at church right in person or, or virtually, yeah. you know, if you're at home. I'm wearing my jammies when I watch at home. If you're not wa- wearing your jammies while you're watching church online, I feel like you're doing it wrong. <laughs> if you're not also, like, eating Lucky Charms out of the box. Right. <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Yeah. But that's another podcast for another day. Yeah. I think we also heard how this generation is very concerned with stereotypes and that makes sense. We we see that a lot with Gen Z. Um, and I think what it comes down to is these students, they don't want to be put in a box. I think of it more as students going through like a buffet line. And when they're figuring out their identity, which of course we know is what happens in adolescence, you're discovering who you are and who you want to be. And it's kind of like a buffet. They want to be a little bit of this a little of that, a taste of that, or a ton of this, right? I mean, do you even remember buffets before COVID? Is this uh, a bad image to use? Maybe? I think of college. And, you know, the first okay. couple weeks of college, I would go around and I literally would try everything. Right. But then after two weeks, the remaining three and 97% of the last year, the remaining time yes. that I had at college, yeah. almost four years, not quite, yeah. minus that two weeks. I would get the exact same thing every single time. You know, it took me that it took me a little bit of time to kind of figure out which buffet lines I wanted to, to pull from. Right. To roll right. with your analogy. Right. <laughs> right. That's that, a great analogy. That felt like a tangent, but we'll keep going with it. So adolescents figuring out who they are, going through a buffet line, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And I think that can be harder for older generations, which can create some tension in relationships because when we think about the generations who have come before their buffet options were fewer. They had less things to choose from. But today's teenagers, they have more options. They have access to more information. There is more diversity. There is more food in the buffet line for them to try and figure out who they want to be, what they like about themselves, and who they want to be in the future. 
And so that can be a hard thing for generations to talk about because if it wasn't their experience and they don't understand, they might not know what to say or they might feel scared to say the wrong thing. Yeah. And so it makes sense why that would create some, some tension for relationships. Yeah. I, I do think though, you know, going back to kind of what we we're talking about uh, coming out of hearing what the students had to say, I really believe that teenagers are looking for us as parents and caretakers to, to walk with them and to talk with them. Uh, yeah. They want adults in their life. They want adults to know them and to, uh, to be safe people that they can go to uh, that not only they can trust, but that put their trust in them. Yeah. And they need that. Yeah. They need that. I mean, don't we all? Yeah, I do. So let's talk a little bit about what we can do to be that kind of adult. Yeah. And I think it all comes down to one thing. Empathy. To understand the feelings of another. To help the young people in our lives feel seen, feel heard, and feel understood. So how do we do that? Well, let's think back on our own experience. Not in the way like when I was your age, you know, I had to walk up to school uphill both ways. Barefoot. Barefoot in the snow. We're not going there. But instead, you know, just thinking about our own experiences, you know, and thinking about these questions, what was, what was my most defining moment as a teenager? What was that moment? Was that a big win or was it a, a loss of some sort? What questions about my life and faith did that moment stir in me? And then another question to think about too, what did the adults in my life do that helped or what do I wish adults had done that would have helped remembering what it's like in middle school is a great place to start when building empathy or you know if you don't have a middle schooler you know thinking about what it was like to be in elementary school or you Mm -hmm. know put yourself in the age of of the student that you right right I mean empathy really helps any relationship. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times we think of empathy as just for tragedies or bad days, but really it's for everyday life and it changes your your mindset and it changes your heart as you enter into conversations for any of the relationships in your life. Yeah. So another thing we can think about when building empathy with our students is that their world is smaller than your world. And that sounds a little weird at first, but what I mean by that is middle schoolers, they're younger than us, right? Their life experience is shorter. So a lot of times when a student is sharing with us a major crisis for them, kind of our internal processing goes to, oh, well, just wait until you go to college or just wait Mm -hmm. until you have a house to take care of. And we kind of Mm -hmm. compare some larger crisis moments to theirs, but our students haven't experienced those things yet. They haven't had those kinds of life experiences. So for them, the crisis that they're going through right now is the biggest crisis that they've faced and the the most extensive form of stress that they've encountered. So comparing it to something that we've gone through is not going to help them feel safe. It's not going to help them feel understood. It's going to actually belittle their experience and take away from the stress or the pain that they're feeling in that moment. So instead, we can try to, to listen from their perspective, reflecting on our own middle school experience, 
not reflecting on our adult experience. Yeah. And it's not really fair to hold them to that bar because they haven't experienced it yet. You know, and we're hopefully as adults, we're shepherding them in that direction, but we can't expect them to, you know, have 30 something conversations with us. (laughs) Right. You know, when they're 12. Yeah. When they're 12. Exactly. You know, one thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately, even with Connor, our three-year-old, is making sure that my words are being shadowed and matched by my body language. Yeah. Like, I have to remind myself all the time, when I'm paying attention to him, to look at him. You know, I'm not on my phone. I'm not, you know, distracted, cleaning up all the toys that are literally everywhere around our house. I am I'm focused on my kid and what he has to say to me even if it might seem super random super irrelevant super just a side tangent from like what i need to be focusing on Mm -hmm. just giving him my full attention you know turning my body looking at him putting the other distractions aside and letting him Mm -hmm. talk and really showing him not just through my words but through my body and my actions, you know, that he's important right. to me and then I value him. Right, because our nonverbal communication can sometimes communicate more than the actual words right. that we're saying. I have to always be mindful of what my face is doing because sometimes my face does not capture how I feel and my face tends... I, I tend to have, like, a resting face that's not so friendly. Mm. I don't think I can say the, the name of that on the podcast, but you know mm. where I'm going with that, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. So I have to match my face with a way that is inviting and welcoming and expressing. I'm here to listen to you. I care yeah. about what you're saying. What you're saying is important. Yeah. So not So we've talked about remembering what it was like to be in middle school. We've talked about remembering the perspective of their world experience so far. We talked about our nonverbals. And one more thing I think that's really important to keep in mind when we're building empathy is when we're trying to hear more from them, we don't want to instantly go into advice-giving mode or sharing our own experiences. Not that those are bad, but if we go into those too quickly, it can shut down the conversation. So there's three words I think we can use that allows conversation to flow. And it's just, tell me more. Mm. When kids share, oh man, I have a lot of homework. I'm really stressed. Tell me more about that. Or when kids share, I'm so excited for this Friday night thing I'm doing with my friends. Oh, tell me more about that. Or when kids share, church is awesome. I really love Wednesday nights. I think Nicole might be the best youth leader I've ever had. Mm. Definitely tell me more about that. No, I'm just kidding. But (laughs) I think tell me more is just a great way to allow for space and room for kids to share more. And it it might take a few times before they do that, Mm -hmm. right? Or you might have a student in your life who naturally does that. And that's fantastic. Keep that up, allowing them to continue to share that. But for students who are a little bit more reserved, this is a great place to start. I think a lot of times we can get so focused on what I'm going to say or how I'm going to direct this. And it's less about steering the car than it is just riding in it and mm. seeing where the conversation goes yeah. and just allowing it to flow. Well, and sometimes we're kind of rewiring relationships too. Like we've gotten out of practice in, in having those types of conversations. So it may yeah. take a few, a few tries to get to where you need to go. But that consistency of continuing to show up and continuing to ask about stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So... 
for the young people in your life. We wanted to give you some questions you could use to start those conversations. What are some, some ideas of places you can start? We'll give you 10. See if there's just one that stands out to you that you could use tomorrow. Or if you don't remember mm-hmm. any of these, just Google it. Google conversation starter questions or buy, mm-hmm. buy a little box set on Amazon and put them on your kitchen table and pull one out and just see where the conversation goes from there. But here are some ideas of questions that you can ask the young people in your life. What isn't a subject in school that you think should be a subject in school? Where would your dream field trip be and why? What do you think is the most important quality in a teacher and why? What helps you feel better when you're stressed? What makes a good friend? If you and your friends won a $1,000 prize, how would you spend it? How would you describe yourself in five words or fewer? What's your favorite song right now? And can we listen to it together? What is the most challenging part of your life right now? What do you look forward to each day? Those are just a few ideas of places that you can start. So continue to have those hard conversations, continue to open the door, because that is going to be a way to build those lasting relationships for years to come. Thanks for being with me today, Patrick. It was really fun to talk about talking with you. Thanks for having me back. I liked it. We'll see if you make it back for podcast number three. I don't know. (laughs) We'll see. Back by popular demand. (laughs) If the ratings come in that you are (laughs) the most highly demanded co-host, we'll see how it goes from there. But If you're hearing this now, (laughs) send Nicole an email. We want Patrick. We want Patrick back. (laughs) Or we never have that guy back. It's so weird when he's there. It's weird and it's awkward and it's too much into their relationship. We don't like it. Thanks for listening.